weird, obscure, impossibly unsafe. Before we even start our banter, I think we just have to let the listeners know that we're recording through Zoom now uh, because we are quarantined. You guys have your quarantinis? That joke will never get old, I guess. (laughs) Or or either that or it already is old by the time this hits the airwaves. Yeah, because it's already a little old. It's a little stale. It's kind of old. It's not. Oh, okay. You guys are really digging into my joke. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, but you know what? You you committed to it. You made it. Yeah. How do you know I wasn't referring to like a bikini that you wear during quarantine? Either either way, it does it, the it doesn't matter. Wouldn't that be quarantini? Oh, true. Yeah. Do yeah. you have your quarantini, Jake? Do you have your quarantini? I don't have one, but no. Not yeah, me. I don't either. Because I have to go back outside <laughs> <laughs> and get yours. <laughs> so, uh, what have you guys it, been doing it, to stay sane? Well, I was just gonna say it's it's kind of. It's dark times out there. There's not really a different way to put it, but um, we've just been doing the best we can to try to try to keep things fun. We bought yeah. a puzzle. Yep, keeping it light. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, technically, we bought four puzzles in one box. In one box? Yeah, there are four different Star Wars puzzles. How many pieces per puzzle? Um, there are 303 of them and then 500 in the last one. Oh, you're going to finish those super fast. I, uh, maybe. I don't know. We, they're actually... They're hard? Well, because the artwork on them is so intricate, it's kind of difficult to match the pieces up based on i don't know they're 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 maybe it could just be that we suck at puzzles or i suck at puzzles but they're taking me a long time and i'm fine with that unless maybe we're maybe we're underestimating how long a puzzle is supposed to take maybe because we've only put about three hours maybe not even three yeah not even like an hour and a half into one and we're probably a quarter done but I did wake up this morning to find Jake working on the puzzle. <laughs> so. I was working on the puzzle because every day that this thing, this COVID-19 thing keeps going on, I get more and more stressed and the university is just like falling apart and nobody knows what's happening. So I, I woke up this morning and I feel like all of the like psychological work I've been putting into like improving myself is just like coming undone. And I just like woke up this morning and my jaw was like completely clenched and I was just like completely like tight and stressed. And I was like, I got to go do a puzzle. Yeah. The beauty of a puzzle, it's like you solve it and it's done. It's like completed <laughs> right. compared to like this situation. There is no end. Yeah. Sadly. So we all ignore that part, but I totally know what you mean. We just finished are th- so I got three puzzles for my birthday and I bought a fourth and we just finished the last one and they're all a thousand piece oh my gosh wow and what what are the images on them the, the last one we did was probably my favorite because the pieces were so big <laughs> but it, was, it was it was fun um it was a 
like a Halloween pumpkin <gasps> thing. And then there was another one that was hot sauces, like all lined up. We did that one before the quarantine though. So maybe we'll go back to it. Um, and another one is a bunch of chocolate, which was hard because it's all brown. <laughs> and I don't know what the other one was. I like those. Those are fun. Mm. They're yeah. spicy. Yeah. If you will. All different. But yeah. So we just oh. finished the last one. We might have to go back. And I did have, I do have two other puzzles. One that's like, they're both 750. So they're a little bit easier. Um, but they're like cats. One's cats on the beach and another one's cats in an ice cream shop. So. <laughs> wow. Cats everywhere. <laughs> Taking over the world. I know. Man. <laughs> Sorry. My phone made a really loud sound. Yeah. That was a real big bing boom. It was, it was, I put on my calendar a notification of spring break coming up, but that doesn't mean anything anymore. No, it doesn't. That's funny. Time doesn't mean anything anymore. I know. That's why I was so late to wake up. I'm constantly forgetting what day it is. I know. Yeah. I, it, it, the only like reason I know what day it is is because my brother actually works nine to five, Monday through Friday. So when he's home, it's like, oh, it's a weekend. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. I I don't think either of us have that kind of um any kind of schedule like that. Yeah. I mean, I just know that if I'm not if my work computer is not open, then it's the weekend. Yeah. Oh, good, good, good. That's about I'm it. just like I I'm actually busier now than I have been in a long time like with just random projects and stuff. And so I just feel like I'm working all the time. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> see, I told you I should have thought of a bit for this one so that it would be more lighthearted, and I couldn't think of one. Oh, you want to know something cool? Is this a bit? No, <laughs> it's a real thing. Darn. Okay, I'll still hear it. Okay. Um. Well, do you have a PlayStation? No. Oh, never Xbox. mind. Then you wouldn't care. I used to have a PlayStation. Oh, a PlayStation 4? No, PlayStation 2. <laughs> oh, no, we still have our PlayStation 2. That's a um, console. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. But we have, so my brother has a PlayStation 4, and I rented this game on it, or I guess I bought it. I don't know how it works. But basically, I bought this game. It's called Until Dawn. Have you, you ever heard of that, either of you guys? Until Dawn? No. Basically, it's like you're playing a horror movie. And it's not like... There's not, like, action and you don't, like, shoot, really. It's, like, a first-person horror movie game. And, like, there's chapters and there's a story and it's, like, a choose-your-own-adventure. And me and Peter have been playing each chapter. So it's been, like, super fun. And I've played it before and, like, the first time I played it, it was, like, an entirely different story type thing. And now that I'm playing it it's this time with Peter, it's just super fun. I just, I don't know, I just figured I'd share that because it's very fun and it's a good, good, exciting way to spend your time in, have, these, tri in these trying times <laughs> i have been playing a lot of minecraft oh, yeah. <laughs> okay a lot you and your minecraft i haven't played anything but i watched oh. a lot of movies yeah i've been playing put a puzzle together <laughs> yeah <that> does, <laughs> i, I always want anna marie to play halo with me and she barely ever does but whenever we do you always have a lot of fun ah uh, halo's fun it's been a while since i played maybe we can play one time and we can like what 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 do the kids call it? You you twitch or you stream Twitched. it? <laughs> yeah, maybe we'll do a weird obscure live stream on Twitch playing Halo, talking about 
cryptids. That'd be that'd be out of this world. All right. Well, let's get let's get weird instead of just being sad. <clears throat> let's do be it. Weird and sad. Let's be weird and sad. Do you guys want to hear about a frog man? Yes. Okay. Yes. This is kind of a strange story, and I felt like the more I did research on it, the more I was like, why does this story exist? Because you'll see. You'll see. But anyways, okay. So here's the story of the Loveland, Ohio frog man. So I have a couple different sources. Weirdus.com. Wikipedia. Um, the WCPO.com, which is like the the news for that local area, and then cryptids.fandom.com. So the first incident of the Frogman, the year 1972. Let me set the scene for you in case you're not familiar with 1972. Do you know who the president was? Anybody? Uh, was it mm. Hamilton? Alex, you're asking if it's Alexander <laughs> Hamilton? Was it? <laughs> oh, God. It's Nixon. <laughs> okay, Nixon's the president, and it's the same year that The Godfather is released into theaters. Hey, good year. Yes. Okay, so 1972, March 3rd. So March, that's a month that we're currently in. Um, I, I doesn't <laughs> come. That doesn't resonate with you? No, it doesn't. I don't know. There are seriously a couple times where I thought that it was like May or, or January. <laughs> I kept thinking it was February. Um, anyway, sorry. Okay. The town is Loveland, Ohio, and that is considered um, part of the greater Cincinnati area. So it's kind of that like southern to the left, like down in the bottom left corner of Ohio. South, south, south left Ohio. South left. Yes. And it's, it's nicknamed the Sweetheart of Ohio. Why? I, because Loveland. Oh, okay. Yeah. Which no, actually, does it's it have na- anything. Does this have anything to do with Ohio is for lovers? I, is that a song? Yeah. Well, it's a song and a slogan. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, I don't know. March 3rd, 1972, the time, 1 a.m. It was a cold, clear night. Officer Ray Shockey was on Riverside Road headed to the city of Loveland, Ohio, where he saw something beside the road in a field on Twite Wee Road. His, its eyes were illuminated to reflect the light of the car's headlights. Could it be a dog? No, it couldn't be. The thing started to stand up and noticed it was five, and he noticed it was five feet tall and must weigh at least 60 pounds. Officer Shockey was surprised to see it had textured, leathery skin and a face like a frog or a lizard. I was going to say, I'm really digging this storytelling. (laughs) I feel like I'm pulling a lot from that cryptid fandom. There's a lot, like, it's written in the story like this, so I kind of just transferred it all together and... (laughs) (laughs) Delivery is on point. Oh, thank you. Great job. All right. In an instant, the creature leapt over the guardrail and into the embankment below, disappearing in the Miami River. Still in disbelief, Officer Shockey raced back to the police station to get some backup. He said another officer returned to the scene with him and found evidence of scrape marks leading down the side of the embankment near the river. So that's incident one. 
So I have a question. You said that the police officer's name was Officer Shockey. Yes. Could you say that he was shocked by what he saw? Oh, I no, I've been spending no, no, <laughs> I have been spending no, no. so much time with Jake. This is <laughs> he's starting to rub off on me. Help. I, I'm pretty sure somewhere in my notes I wrote like Officer Shocky was shocked. So if I say that again, I'm not copying you. I <laughs> You thought of it first. Yeah. Your your astute humor and observations here. <laughs> I also noticed them as well. Okay. <laughs> All right. That's what we call low-hanging fruit. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I thought this was super timely because the second incident is March 17th, so St. Patrick's Day. And we were going to record, like, originally right around then. Um, But it's still close enough. It's still close enough. Weeks later. (laughs) Okay. Second incident, March 17th, St. Patrick's Day. Officer Mark Matthews is driving alone outside the city of Loveland in the middle of the night. As he's going along, he sees a figure lying in the middle of the road. Thinking it must be a dead animal, Officer Matthews pulls over and approaches the presumed dead animal to remove it from the road. Suddenly, the creature hops up into a crouched position comparable to a ready football player. So picture that in the middle of the road at night. Really solid three-point stance. Yes. (laughs) So Officer Matthews freezes as he and the creature lock eyes. Matthews releases the... Sorry. Matthews Matthews watches the creature hobble to the guardrail and lift its leg over the fence, never breaking eye contact with the creature once. He notices how tall the frog creature is and it, as it stands uncannily upright. So it's kind of weirdly upright. This creature... Like, uh, is it like Mr. Frog and Mr. Toad? Like um, riding on a bicycle? That- uh, yes, 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 yes. That's exactly what... <laughs> Um, I, I forgot to share the pictures with you, but if you Google right now while I'm looking this up, what it's supposed to look like and just have that, the pictures, there's some really silly pictures out there. Okay. The creature smirks as it makes its escape. So officer Matthews tries to shoot at it, but alas, he misses and the creature disappears into the night because it smirked at him. He thought he had to shoot it. Okay, so according to cryptids.fandom.com. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. No. <laughs> Wait, which picture are you looking at? What? <laughs> what is it, why does its butt look like that? I know. Okay, just for, for our listeners. Sorry, I know you said we're not supposed to describe the pictures now. You can. But Go ahead. We, we are looking at a frog jumping over a guardrail, but like the, from, the, from the waist up. It's a frog, except it also has human arms. But, like, it's, <laughs> its bare ass is just completely human. Like, the most human ass I've ever seen. <laughs> like, in, in just astonishing detail. Very toned. Very toned. Wow. Very large ass. <laughs> very human ass. Wow, I can't. Some of these pictures, <laughs> man. I I highly encourage our listeners to just Google pictures of, you know, the Ohio Frogman because there's some wild ones out there. Whether it's one with, you know, a beautifully sculpted butt. You found more? 
yeah we have to stop yeah. you have okay. to stop i'm sorry it's just like this is an audio medium we can't describe I know. every I know. picture I'm so, so this is this is why i chose it because i saw one picture of it and i couldn't <laughs> stop laughing and it's like one of this 3d rendering and it's like there's a spotlight on it i'm sure you saw it it just looks really silly yeah yeah it just it was kind of like i <laughs> i looked at one and then i couldn't stop <laughs> It's so hard to stop. There's so yeah. many weird variations. So many of them. Yeah. Anyway, okay. I'm sorry that we interrupted you. <laughs> no, that's fine. I'm glad you looked it up because you have to see it for yourself to mm-hmm. really believe. Yeah. Highly recommend everyone to, to do that. My life has changed. <laughs> for the better? Don't know yet. <laughs> okay. So according to cryptids.fandom.com, the Loveland Frogmen, Frogmen, so apparently this is like a race of of frog people are bipedal frogs with leathery skin webbed hands and feet they have frog-like heads with wrinkly skin on top and they stand about a meter tall they are known to live in the the claremont county southwest ohio's temperate forest they're able to survive the long winters of the region without having to hibernate Frogmen have the ability to use sticks like tools they also have magical abilities and are known to use sticks to emit sparks such as much like a wand. So you may have seen in some of those pictures that he has yeah. a magic wand and That's he's casting crazy. spells. Okay. There are people who theorize that frogmen have the ability to control electricity in some way. So there's a couple other reports, but they're not as notable as these first two. People who really believe in this frogman um, or the frogmen race, they go back to those two original sightings and they kind of cite them as like, fact okay so another report was from later in march 1972 one farmer in the area told investigators that he saw a large frog-like or lizard-like creature on his property um and perhaps the most original incident goes back to may 1955 an unnamed businessman was driving his car at 3 30 a.m down an empty stretch of road that runs along the miami river along the outskirts of loveland ohio the man witnessed three bipedal quasi-reptilian entities congregating by the side of the road. That sounds like they were having a meeting. This man interrupted. Um, so super surprised, the man pulled over and he observed to observe the creatures for about three minutes. So for three minutes, he's just like observing them. And then that's kind of it. Did they see him? You know what? I didn't write down anything. I don't know if there's more information on that, but... I just have written down here that he <laughs> saw them for three minutes and then that was it. They must have like run off in the distance eventually. They sound like uh, they sound like lizard people, like David Icke style. That's what I was just thinking. Yeah, I was. If I can refer you back to the previous episode. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking like maybe it's all connected. Maybe this You're, is sure. the lead of the elite of Ohio <laughs> <laughs> having their meetings on the side of the roads. <laughs> <laughs> right next to a river. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so I have another really um, timely. This one happened pretty recently, a modern um, sighting. Wow. So, one August night in 2016, Whoa. a man named Sam Jacobs and his girlfriend were walking around Lake Isabella in Loveland, Ohio, playing Pokemon Go. Um, (laughs) and then this article describes it in such a funny way in quote a night of fun turned into a chilling tale of horror when they encountered the purported frogman 
Jacobs said, we saw a huge frog near the water. Not in the game. This was an actual giant frog. (laughs) (laughs) Have to clarify. (laughs) Okay. Jacobs stopped playing Pokemon Go to take a picture of the creature. He swore on his grandmother's grave that he was telling the truth about seeing the four-foot frog creature. He even witnessed it stand up and walk on its hind legs. The pair say they didn't learn of the legend until they returned home and talked to the girlfriend's parents who filled him in. Um, And I do just want to say, there's pictures of this because he had his phone and he took photos and they are very clearly a person in a green morph suit crouched down in the pond. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, now... Okay, we have to Google real quick, sorry. Yeah, does that look like two, like, bright headlights, like, for the upper eyes? Yeah, his eyes are really reflecting back. Yeah. Yeah, Uh if you look closely, it really... Nope, that's not it. It really does look like a person in a green morph suit. Yeah, that looks fake as hell. Now, my question is, I wonder if this was planned by, what was the name, Jacob? Jacobs. Yeah, Sam Jacobs. Oh, Sam Jacobs. Um, if it was planned by him, or if the, this was just some random guy in a green morph suit <laughs> waiting to be found. <laughs> I would like to believe the latter, because I think that'd be funnier. <laughs> Yeah. Like, he's just waiting in the pond, and then these people come upon the pond. It's probably, like, pretty secluded. <laughs> but that would be so scary, I have he to say. Have been, he could have been um, waiting in the he, – he could have just had, like, a jumpsuit on or some kind of, like, uh, uh, like diving gear on and, like, diving headlights on, and he was, like, looking for um, – Treasure? Uh, disc, golfs, disc, disc golf discs at the bottom of the lake. So treasure. Yeah. Yeah treasure (laughs) i think uh, i like your theory a lot maybe he was out there for a real reason and uh, you know he just got mixed up in all this right yeah he he had no intention of when treasure hunting when treasure hunting and pokemon go converge (laughs) (laughs) okay so i want to i want to let you know how difficult it was for these two police officers the 1972 original police officers they were mocked and they were picked on for the rest of their careers for saying that this frogman thing existed um but i do want to give you a twist do you remember in the first story how um shocky officer shocky he left the scene after he saw the frog and then he brought another officer to check out the situation mm-hmm. well that officer was actually um Officer Mark Matthews, the second, the officer who said he did the second viewing, second sighting. So he had reason to say he had a sighting because he knew about the first sighting and he was there when the quote unquote first sighting happened. So, conspiracy? Let's hear what Matthews has to say about that. (laughs) Okay, so the WCPO Cincinnati ABC local news article by James Legate. Um, from August 2016. He has two articles, one describing this 2016 sighting um, by this man, Sam Jacobs, who's playing Pokemon Go. And then the other article is like a follow-up because they talk, he ends up talking to Mark Matthews, who provides some explanation. So Matthews explained, this is basically just a quote from the article from now on, so I apologize if I'm just reading. 
Matthews explained that the first officer to encounter the purported frogman, Ray Shockey, called him one night in the March of 1972 after spotting something strange on Riverside Drive slash Kemper Road near the Totes Boot Factory and the Little Miami River. Naturally, quote, naturally, I didn't believe him, but I could somehow tell from his demeanor that he did see something, Matthew said. So do you think, do you think Ray called Matthews um, via a phone or via like a, like a walkie talkie? Well, in the first story, it says he goes back to the police station and wants anyone to come back with him. Because I just think it would be interesting if Shaki used a walkie-talkie. Oh, my. Oh. I was wondering, like, where is he going with this? I'm a little nervous. <laughs> That's irrelevant information. Okay. So, <laughs> let, me, let me finish. This, this article really sheds light on this whole story. Okay. Later that month, Matthews was driving on Kemper Road near the boot factory when he saw something run across the road. However, it wasn't walking upright and didn't climb over the guardrail as the urban legend of the frogman goes. The creature crawled under the guardrail, Matthews said. He, quote, had no clue what it was. I know no one would believe me, so I shot it, he said. Matthews recovered the creature's body. Oh, my God. Matthews recovered the creature's body and put it in his trunk to, sh- to show Shockey. He said Shockey said it was the creature he had seen, too. It was a large iguana, about 3 or 3.5 feet long. Matthews said the animal was missing its tail, which is why it didn't immediately recognize it as, like, an iguana. Or maybe he thought it was, like, more of a frog. So it was missing its tail unfortunately. Um, Matthew said he figured the iguana had been someone's pet and that um, the pet either got loose or was then released into the like that pond area when it got too large Um, and it was just kind of like trying to survive out there but that's not where iguanas live so it was like looked really sick and lost its tail Um, and yeah he theorized that it was a cold-blooded animal. It had been living in the pipes and then released in the water um, that was used for cooling the ovens in the boot factory as a way to stay warm in the cold March weather. Um, and quote, he said, the thing was half dead anyway when I shot it. So let me provide you what I think is the true story <laughs> based on all this information. So that one farmer who said he saw something like a lizard creature going around, he probably did because there's this like half dead iguana. That's like a sickly iguana running around town. And he probably did see it. And then I think Officer Shockey and um, Officer Matthews both saw this thing. And then ever since um, Shockey and Matthews saw this, they were kind of picked on. But what, where am I going with this? I don't know. Um, so I think so. Officer Matthews and Officer Shockey did see this iguana. And then even though they had this evidence, people, and this is something that Matthews had said, Officer Matthews, he said that even though he told people afterwards, he initially said like, oh, we got the frog, man. But then afterwards, no one would believe him. And he's done many interviews and he even like provided information to someone who was writing a book. And they said they only included the first part of his story, not the part where he explained that it was just an iguana. So he, after not that much time, explained it away as an iguana, but people seem to really be stuck with the frogman story. So 
I'm sorry, maybe I missed this. How big was this iguana? Like three to three and a half feet long. Without a tail, right? Yeah, without a tail. That is a giant iguana. Wow. I mean, that's all my story. I don't have any more. Oh. Man, well... Short and to the point. What do you think of the frogman, Jake? I know you said that you had some thoughts. (laughs) Do you believe the officers that it was like an iguana or do you believe like the the overall story the mythology what do you guys think well so i'm i'm kind of interested in the in the wand usage of frog people Mm, because there was a there have been accounts that i've heard in the appalachian cave system of like diminutive creatures wielding wands and being able to like control people Mm. So the frogman, I guess, kind of like pee backing off of what Jake said. The do the frogmen like have powers? I mean, if they have a wand, then um, in the lore, they're able. They have wands. They can use sticks as wands to control electricity. Oh right. Where right. that comes from, like it must have been added to the story later on because the original story is that they just saw this frog-like creature and it just kind of ran away. Hmm. So there's no mention of, like, magic powers or whatever. I, that's interesting. I wonder how that whole part of the lore got tacked on. I don't know. Maybe because there's frogmen with wands in the woods. <laughs> They're different than the frogmen that have meetings on the side of the roads. <laughs> I can't get over that part. They may have just <laughs> left their wands at home. <laughs> That meeting they had? Yeah. I wonder what they were talking about at that meeting. They're probably talking about where to find the wands that they lost. Oh, maybe. All right. Cool. Well, thanks, Melissa. That was um I I will never forget the pictures that I saw. <laughs> I know. I just felt like I needed to look some up right now. And wow. <laughs> that ass. That ass. Wow. <laughs> so while we were just on break, uh we have a we have a Amazon gift card that Anna, that Anna Marie got from I think my aunt for her birthday like three years ago or something. Yeah, I still hadn't you haven't used it. Wow, um, so restraint, Anna Marie. I would have used that in like five minutes. Well, I originally was gonna because I think she gave it to us like right before or while we like kind of were doing the whole wedding planning thing. So I was like, oh, I can like use it to buy like decorations or something on oh, Amazon. So I guess that was like a year ago. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it was <laughs> <laughs> it was um over a year ago at least. But um I finally w- figured out what I wanted to buy and I just told Jake I was like, "Man, you know, I think I'd really like to get a copy of London London Calling on vinyl." <laughs> and then Jake just pause <laughs> i was just i was trying to figure out what to do because i had already made up my mind that that's what i was going to get her for her birthday oh <laughs> <laughs> and i was like okay on the one hand i can say hey maybe maybe let's spend the gift card on something else and then i get it for her for her birthday but then she thinks that i took the idea from this interaction <laughs> and didn't think of it spontaneously yeah so Anyways. I re- so well, I re- Anyway, it. when's your birthday? In May. Okay, you have time to think of something else. You have plenty of time. I, just, I know, but I just it confirmed me that it was a really, really good gift it idea. Is, yeah. oh. And I don't think of really good gift ideas very often. So 
Uh, Melissa, we can we can we can have a little brainstorm later. Okay, I actually <laughs> might have that on vinyl already. I think. Well, what? I'm not giving what? it to you. Oh, no, I'm saying I. Uh, so I'll just give it to you. It'll be my gift. Um, but yeah, I I don't think my I mean my dad has so many, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. I don't know. You guys have that record player now, so yeah, I guess that's an easy gift. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah, know what you guys want, but anyways, who's who's next? Whose story's next? I'm next. I also just want to say that was a very sweet and considerate gift idea, and I'm sorry that I ruined it. No, you, oh. didn't, you didn't ruin it, baby. You're good. You're good. I just it was it was just funny. It was funny. Yeah, that is fun. I mean, you know Anna Marie well, obviously. Yeah. We were just talking about the Clash the other day, um, and I looked over at the record player, and I was like, "Huh, I think." I think Anna Marie would really like uh, London Calling on vinyl. Yeah, that's... and it turns out she really would. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh. All right. Here we go. Today I'm talking about. So, first of all, I think we all need to cut ourselves a little bit of slack doing this during uh, a, a huge global crisis because my story is going to be a little short. And I think that's okay right now, given the circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. yeah mine was like, I felt like I did my research in <laughs> 30 minutes. I don't know. It just I'm felt not... like a whole lot of nonsense. And I, half <laughs> of it was me reading from an article. So. <laughs> so I am really interested in the Mammoth Cave System in the United States. Um, it's the largest cave system in the world. And like... There's still a lot of it that remains to be explored. Can I ask a dumb question? Sure. So is it mammoth because the cave system is mammoth in size? Like the cave system is large? Or is it mammoth because mammoths are down there? Well, we don't know what's <laughs> down there exactly, but I'm, assu- I'm pretty sure it's for the first reason. Okay. That it's really big. <laughs> Good question. Oh. Thank you. So, <laughs> so I, I think this will be the first of a few... Um, maybe not consecutive, but down the road, the first of a few episodes that I do on um, on mysteries surrounding uh, the cave systems in the United States, especially the Mammoth Cave System, which goes basically from Kentucky all the way up to like New England. Um, but the Mammoth Cave National Park is in Kentucky. And so today there's a lot of different facets of sort of the cave system that I want to talk about in terms of like cryptids and UFOs and different like, uh, like occult conspiracies and stuff like that. But today I'm just going to talk about the Mammoth Cave National Park and a few of like the ghosts that are supposed Mm. to be in the cave, in the cave system there. What? Why would there be a ghost in a cave? Well, Okay, well, I'll wait for you to tell me. I just figured there's better places to haunt. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So the Mammoth Cave System, there are over 400 miles of cave in this cave system and over 30 stories of depth. Jesus. And that's that's only the explored portions. Every single weekend they're adding mileage to the caves because they're exploring new regions of it and a lot of different caves that seem to be unrelated they find make its way back into this cave system so they're all like connected 
That's bonkers. Yeah. Yeah. So, and it was said somewhere. Oh, I should give my sources real quick. Is one of them the descent? Yeah. So <laughs> I actually watched that earlier this week. So I feel very prepared for this cave episode. Good. <laughs> so one source was a, was a YouTube uh, video from CBS Sunday news called on the trail mammoth cave. One was an article called murder by darkness. Does mammoth, does mammoth cave specter har- harbor a secret by Joel, Joe nickel on skeptical inquirer.org. One is called Ghosts in Mammoth Cave at cultofweird.com by J. Nathan Couch. And there's one more. And the last source I have was by a user called Haunted Hiker um, at the nationalparkstraveler.com who wrote Mammoth Cave National Park harbors more than a few ghost stories. And so... I thought this was interesting because Wikipedia is not in my sources and it was actually kind of hard to find information on some of this stuff. I wanted to do more cryptid stuff, but it just was going to take a lot more research than I could do. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you're laying the foundation of <clears throat> the caves and then maybe next time you'll revisit some creatures in the caves. Yeah. Something like that. Gotcha. I'm, I'm just see this as a little, a little taster. Hmm. So this is background info for future yeah. stuff, I yeah. think. Yeah, yeah. So there were there have been over 150 paranormal events documented in the Mammoth Cave National Park. Uh, nobody really knows how long it goes, how deep it goes, or what lies in the unexplored regions. So I don't know. I... So the academic in me like always wants to like cite sources and find where the research is coming from and what techniques and methods are used to obtain data, whatever. I didn't do that here because um, I don't do archaeology and I didn't have time. But apparently, according to one source, um, Native Americans were the first over, I don't know, several thousand years ago to enter these cave systems. And they mined... Uh, the walls for minerals, and for a time it was used as a burial site. But then it something, I don't know how they determine it, but some sort of, I guess, archaeological technique shows that the caves were abruptly abandoned and nobody knows why. (gasps) Spooky. Yeah, Yeah. very. So then in the 1700s, some bear hunters stumbled onto the cave uh so um that's when it became known to the sort of european settlers and colonizers of of the quote-unquote new world and the war of 1812 during the war of 1812 um the cave systems were used as a saltpeter mine to to develop more gunpowder after the war it became this tourist attraction because some mummified bodies were found inside of it. This is okay. I'm sorry. This is just how stupid white people are. So the people who discovered these bodies believe that they were, that they were discovering remains of like a lost race. What? Yeah. And wait, they're in America, right? Yeah. So they know about native Americans. 
Yes, and that's what I'm about to say. <laughs> I have them printed. So, so they they thought they were discovering the bodies of a lost race, but in fact, these were probably Native American bodies that were buried, and just the way that the um, mineral composition and air of the caves were somehow somehow like naturally lent itself toward mummification or something mm. like that. Wow. But. <laughs> So, okay, this pisses me off for multiple reasons. A, because white people just can't deal with the idea that Native Americans were here for a long time before us. And so we have to make up some mythical lore about like a lost race Mm -hmm. so that we like, I don't know, feel feel more entitled to like, Mm -hmm. to to colonize and, and anyways. Right, yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's so silly and sad. Um. And also, like, if you come across, like, artifacts and things, and if you can't trace them back to, like, someone they belong to, then they're yours. You know what I mean? And if you're just like, well, they don't belong to anybody because yeah. the, the race is gone, then you can be like, well, these mummies are mine now. Yeah, it's like how, like, a lot of, a lot of, like, uh, it's like how a lot of white people talk about how Native Americans, like, used to be and, like, how the Native American tribes were and this mm-hmm. and that. But, like... They, Native Americans still exist. Yeah, <laughs> like <right>. they're not, <laughs> they're not like they're not like some distant past like myth. You know, yeah. it's just yeah. Anyways, this hits a bunch of buttons for me. Um, B, I, it also pisses me off because it's just grossly disrespectful to disturb burial sites and mm-hmm. to like. They wouldn't go digging up like European style graveyards, you know, right. and think that it was okay. Mm-hmm. Right. So, anyways, I'll have to just digress here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's uh, and this isn't the first. Uh, this isn't, or sorry, this isn't the last instance of of uh, messing around with bodies that's going to happen in this story. <laughs> um. Okay, so here's another weird thing. I found two contradictory names for this doctor. Either it's John Crogan or it's Frank Gorin. <laughs> okay. It almost sounds similar. <laughs> uh, and like I said a couple episodes ago, I am not a trustworthy source for anything. <laughs> Anyways, we'll just call him. We'll just call him Dr. Can you combine the two names <laughs> together in some way? Dr. Uh, Frank John Gorkragen. <laughs> wow. Great. Anyways, a, a tuberculosis doctor or a doctor who treated tuberculosis patients um, purchased the cave in 1839. So maybe it was that a man named John Crogan purchased the cave in 1839 and a doctor named Frank Gorin established a tuberculosis colony inside the cave. Wow. One or the other. Yeah. Anyways, right. my, Either my way, point is, I'm not going to check you. Yeah. <laughs> a, tuberculosis, a, tuberc- a tuberculosis colony was established inside the cave in 1839 uh, because no one knew how to treat TB. Mm-hmm exactly and yeah. and there was a lot of sort of conjecture that's that 
sort of pure air was important right. um, for healing uh, tuberculosis. And so this doctor believed that um, the cave had pure air and would help treat tuberculosis. Um, but it turns out that it didn't and most everyone in the colony died. Uh, the doctor had 11 huts built inside the cavern and 15 patients moved in. Uh, but again, it was a failure. I said most everyone died. That's not true. Two patients died and everybody oh. else got, got worse. Oh, okay. And then the doctor himself died from TB in 1849. So the, the people that got worse, did they just, were they moved I think they else? moved out, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't seem like if you're extremely ill that like living inside of a cave would be good for your mental or physical health. That's, that, I feel like that would make it much worse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then again, I mostly spend my time in the basement, so I guess... <laughs> Well, how many of you like the cave itself? Uh, yeah, I'm not feeling well, though. <laughs> oh, see. Uh, so, um, the, you can still see the remains of these cabins when, if you go tour the cave. It's still there. And um, there's a slab of stone upon which the bodies of the dead were laid. Bodies of dead patients were laid before they were removed from the cave. That's still there. They call this corpse rock. And so one of the, one of the sort of paranormal uh, events that's sometimes documented is people in this area of the caves say that if you listen long enough, you can hear coughing. Whoa. Yeah. Like echoing throughout the caves. That'd well, be super in, freaky. In caves are terrifying. Yeah. In yeah. this area. Um, Ooh, creepy. Yeah. Okay. So, up until this time, um, people had been touring the, these these caves, um, and they would they would get to the caves by train, and then the automobile came along and changes things. What does it change? <laughs> Sorry, I had to yawn. Oh, okay. I was like <laughs> in suspense. So in the 1920s, the automobile comes along and the Mammoth Cave system, which was, or the Mammoth Mammoth Cave, which was privately owned, was a major tourist attraction. And so like cars were just coming through these, these roads in Kentucky to get to the Mammoth Caves um, to see all the, all the strange things there. And what ended up happening is a lot of people had cavern entrances on their property around the place too, that did connect to the cave system or were at least interesting caves in their own right. So everybody started setting up signs along this road to try to divert and, and trick people into coming to their cave. Right. Mm. And this is what's known as the Kentucky cave wars. And <laughs> oh my I, gosh. Just like everybody putting up like a roadside, sign or stand or something or in some cases just like stopping cars in the middle of the road and telling them no the cave system isn't down there it's over here so that they could you know get tourists to come to their cave and pay a couple bucks to go down and see like so basically people would would um set up a stand and then set up some stairs down into their cavern and 
take a group of people down there with a lantern and tell some spooky stories and then that'd be it well this would definitely be a reality tv show today or a horror movie (laughs) like can you imagine somebody like hey come to these caves over here and then yeah that actually is a pretty nice setting for a for a horror movie that's actually i mean this remind you guys haven't seen the outsider have you no okay well there's a the second half of the maybe the last like three episodes take place in like i don't know if it's kentucky anyways they're like there's like this cave festival and then like the creature in the cave and it's like super creepy and then there are like little diverting cave access points and it's it's very creepy yeah interesting yeah so we just have we just have people like wandering out into the middle of the road to stop traffic and saying no the that you they said the cave system was three miles up the road but it's actually just right around the corner it's called you know whatever they called their name their the their cave name and yeah it's just it's just kind of a free-for-all of just like a bunch of private um a bunch of different little cavern entrances on private land and people are just it's it's a very competitive and saturated market. <laughs> wow. Sounds like a lot of tourist attractions. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it is. Like the the cave become cave systems become like just this roadside attraction and in, in this very like um uh concentrated area in Kentucky. Do you know how that's kind of being handled today? Yes, we'll get there. Okay. I mean you would story- think like there would be I mean sounds like the main cave is more taken care of or it would be probably and if you were going in these tiny little like access points from different locations like who's monitoring what's safe and what's not safe you know what i mean yeah, it's the 20s yeah oh no. my god yeah. i wouldn't trust <laughs> and it at the time but it's important to know at the time the main the main cave also is is privately owned everything's privately owned mm-hmm. gotcha so it's not like one is a state park and others aren't. So right. long, long story short, now it's state owned, but um, we'll get there. Basically, this guy named Floyd Collins owned a private property sort of toward the end of this road um, and was trying to attract visitors. Um, but his site was difficult to get to and you know, you had to pass by a ton of other caves before you got to his. So he wasn't in a very advantageous position to attract a lot of visitors. Um, and he didn't have any lodging on his site. So he decided he was going to try to um, excavate a new a new site closer to, like, to, in, a, in a better location to attract more tourists. So he began excavating an entrance to what is called Sand Cave, and he hoped um, that he would intercept visitors who were headed to Mammoth Cave. While he was excavating, a big piece of rock penned him by the leg, and he he was found a day later, still alive. And this was apparently, some sources said this was like the first big national like news story that was following an emergency like this that gained national attention. Like this is the first instance of like a big media frenzy surrounding um, like an emergency situation, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like it was a big morbid spectacle. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 
and like radio stations were talking about it and newspapers were running stories about it every day all across the country and people were like keeping up with it and people were coming to Kentucky from all over the country to like see this like story unfolding of these like rescuers trying to trying to get um, Floyd out um, and people were like selling like hot dogs and hamburgers and souvenirs and it's like all oh. very like gross sounding oh. you know well it sounds like the Bundy uh, um, yeah execution like where people yeah. are gathering and they're yeah. cheering and they're celebrating and people are making money off of it by selling stuff around there right yeah yeah so it was yeah is it, it, it became this really big national spectacle um which is weird and gross in its own way but that's totally america so <laughs> we still see that today well i think it's uh, honestly i think it's humans you know? yeah because mm-hmm. uh, you think about like how um like public executions and stuff used to work in europe and, oh yeah and other places and yeah it was definitely a spectacle <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay so Eventually, the uh, there was another cave-in that blocked the rescuers from even being able to get to Floyd again. So after two weeks, Colin died. Uh, uh, what did I call him? Floyd. Floyd. Floyd Collins. Sorry. So after two weeks, he died alone from exposure. Oh. Yeah. Sad story. Um, this is like my worst nightmare, being trapped yeah. in a cave. Well, this gets completely more fucked up. Okay, well, <laughs> tell me the details. <laughs> <laughs> so Floyd was eventually removed from the cave after several years, and he was buried in a family c- cemetery. So I guess they finally were able to, you know, get him out, get him out, and get mm-hmm. we'll get the sort of cave in sort of figured out and whatever. Um, and Floyd's father sold the property to a local dentist for the sand caves yeah okay somehow the dentist named thomas was able to got permission or was able to exhume floyd's body and he put it on display in the entrance to sand cave in a glass covered coffin um what, what year was this uh, this would have been, um, I, I mean, probably in the twenties or thirties. Oh well, even still, it's just it's just yes, messed up. Yeah. So they put it in this coffin with a glass lid in the entrance to Sand Cave, where hundreds of people would just walk by it every day, and um, his uh, and just see his decaying corpse. It sounds like a shrine or like a relic or something. Yeah, kind of. But mm. like with relics, it feels different to me. Well, yeah, maybe there's not a, a sort of like reverence behind it. Typically, well, there's a so with re, with like with like religious relics, there's like a whole like religious structure and set of expectations, right? Right. Versus a dentist digging you up to put them in your in his tourist oh, attraction. Right, right. No, no. I, <laughs> like, like the the reasoning behind both of those things are totally different. But just like the display itself. 
the way that it's like untouched it's kept in like a glass case yeah, right, yeah. exactly to be like gotcha, kind of gotcha, gazed gotcha. upon yeah. from afar yeah. that's right, that's right. and i remember going to a lot of churches when i was in europe and they have saints and they would be lent over by like the catholic church or whatever church and they would be in a glass case i don't know if yeah. you've seen those before and they're like dressed up and everything mm-hmm. but you can see their body and it's so creepy because they also have like those cre- those creepy like masks on them to keep their face looking like a face anyways just reminded yeah. me of that except obviously sounds like he's more of like an exhibit rather than yeah, yeah, something right. to yeah. be like i don't know yeah like i i don't know if this is even a thing but like i would be less comfortable with a relic being displayed at like a museum or something yeah versus being displayed at a church yeah the the space also matters yeah um i also just want to say that i really would love to do relics one time (laughs) (laughs) i'm into Uh, it (laughs) it just it shit gets crazy yeah in the medieval period (laughs) relics will just say that much all right, so eventually Floyd's body was stolen, presumably by rival cave owners, according to one source, who couldn't deal with how successful Sand Cave was because, oh. because so Sand Cave, you know, probably wasn't like as interesting as Mammoth Cave, but people wanted to see Floyd Collins' body. Like Floyd Collins had become this like legendary figure, you know. So some, so some I guess you know competitors stole his body uh, that's that's not good yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's yeah. you shouldn't do that the juju keeps getting worse and worse <laughs> i know Which, wow I'm sure we'll it's like explain bad, the ghosts. <laughs> it's like bad juju escalation constantly mm-hmm. um Ugh. okay so after a few days they found his body in a field but one of his legs was missing and never found Wait, so they stole the body just to get rid of it so that they wouldn't have the success, but they didn't want to display it in their own cave? Well, you couldn't display it with your in your own cave without implicating yourself. Oh, that's true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, that's true. Okay. So they found they found everything except a leg, and he was put back in his coffin in sand cave, but without the viewing lid though people still would crack it open and take a look. So uh, the national park system bought the sand cave in 1961 and closed the cave to tourists. Uh, But Floyd didn't get a, a a good burial until 1989. Whoa. That's when he actually got a proper burial after his exhumation. Okay. So fast forward a little bit. So obviously people think people see Floyd Collins ghost or say that Floyd Collins still haunts the caves. Um, park rangers do this thing sometimes called a blackout whenever they go into the cave. Have you, have, have you, either of you, I know you have, cause we went together, but yeah. Melissa, have you been in on a cave tour before? No, but I was, I was planning a trip where caves were on the menu of what I was going to do in Arkansas. So I don't know if this is nice. part of the same connection. It, I think it might be part of the same system. Yeah, I, I'm sh- pretty sure it is. Or it was either Arkansas or Tennessee or something. Anyways, but it sounds Definitely like it would be the same thing. Yeah. But um, no, I have not been inside of a cave before. <laughs> well, you definitely need to keep all of this in mind when you yeah. do go on that trip. 
Um, <laughs> and also the dis- like just the movie The Descent does not help. Yeah. Yeah. Well, just associate. Don't think about well, it at all. So if a cave is like especially run like as a state park or run by like people who know what they're doing, it can be a, a really nice experience. Yeah. Um, that was it can really be fun. really beautiful, especially the way they light it up and stuff is really interesting. Yeah. It was really um, fun when we went. That was in Virginia. Yeah. Okay. So we on one time just sort of on a whim as we were driving between South Carolina and Philly, we uh pulled over on the side of the road because there was a there was a big sign like in this in the cave wars that was just like giant caves exit 32 or whatever and we were just let's go and so we, went, <laughs> so and we did and it was like a 30 40 minute tour yeah uh, that's cool though it's cool and uh but they always do this thing where um the caves are sort of like rigged up with lights and stuff to 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 illuminate a lot of the stalactites and stalagmites and different interesting like structures in the cave and stuff wow um and they'll take you into like a room like really deep within the cave and then they'll cut all the lights out to so that you can experience like absolute darkness which is interesting oh yeah i forgot about that part yeah, they always do that and so I've been in caves a lot because we like used to go to West Virginia a lot and they have tons of those. Um, and it's the same thing every time, either they'll, either they'll just tell you that they're about to do it. Or sometimes they'll, they'll say, I remember when I was a kid, there was this room that they called Fairyland because it had like a castle looking structure that looked, wow. like, that looked like a miniature castle. And it had like this very still like, um, almost lake looking thing next to it and they would shine the the lights sort of off the water to make it look really magical and it was very interesting and they had different settings so they were like okay here's fairyland in the morning and it was like a blue light that was cool and then here's fairyland in the afternoon and they would you know put the yellow lights on it was like here's fairyland at sunset and then they do, here's Fairyland at midnight. And they just cut all the lights off. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I would honestly scream. Yeah, I, everybody, I... <laughs> all the kids in the tour got, like, like started going insane. Uh, and, out. and it's, like, oh pretty, it's pretty funny. Like, the tour guide, like, was definitely pretty sadistic. Uh, and loved to do this to little kids. But oh. anyways, they call it, like, a blackout is kind of, like, a feature of, of cave tours, right? So anyways, a lot, of, uh, a lot of park rangers in the Mammoth Cave system now will do the blackout. And during the blackout, um, uh, many people report having strange experiences in, in this particular part of the cave system. Oh, okay. A lot of people have, been re- have reported being sort of like, like shoved, like playfully, or like brushed up against. Um, and they've heard footsteps and then turn around and see no one there when the because lights it's pitch on. black dark well uh, even after <laughs> the fact oh okay um, or they, they can't see anything yeah. i was gonna say you, you can't see anything so no well and there. sometimes and sometimes what they'll do is they'll just have an oil lamp on oh okay and and yeah so people report like some uncanny things that happen that sounds even creepier yeah mm-hmm. um Another thing is the original guides of this cave back when it was a private cave in the late 19th century. The original guides were African-American slaves, including this guy named Stephen Bishop, who was particularly known for his 
enthusiastic and erudite tours. Um, and so people a lot of times see African-American families in the caves, like see apparitions of them or see Stephen Bishop. So that's another apparition that's seen there, ghost that's seen there. Um, and then I guess another fun fact is that HP Lovecraft's, uh, story, the beast in the cave takes place in the mammoth cave. Uh, Ooh, Anna Marie. Yeah. <laughs> I actually haven't read that one, but no, oh. not to. Yeah. We'll go read it right after yeah. this. Story time. Pause the recording. Let's go read it right now. <laughs> uh, and then last, the last ghost is a ghost named Melissa. <gasps> Melissa. <laughs> and she is a murderer. Oh. <laughs> Do you have something to tell us, Melissa? Oh, no, I shouldn't say. <laughs> so there's a particular spirit that is only known as Melissa. She is a young woman who uh, loved her tutor, but that love was not reciprocated. Oh. And so she wanted to get revenge on him and found an opportunity in the cave to abandon him without a lamp, and he was never uh, found. So, Ooh. yeah, so I guess, you know, un, un, would it be unrequited love? Is that right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Case a, a, a oh, real a bad story, a real bad <laughs> case of unrequited love. Uh, she she takes her uh, her uh, would be lover her down to the cave, non-lover. her non lover down to the cave, and just leaves him there to to die. Oh, brutal! Yeah. So some say that Melissa's ghost still searches for his. Rangers have reported hearing. Uh, women calling from within the within the caves passageways which you know when you're in no. there <laughs> when you're in there you can't really tell what's coming from where it's like very eerie yeah um and they hear screams and and garbled voices and things um, uh but other people say melissa contracted consumption so tuberculosis. Oh, maybe Melissa was a vampire. Could be. <laughs> maybe, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so they can hear her calling out. They can hear her um, uh, coughing. And they can hear her uh, restless spirit roaming through the caverns. Um and other people report hearing a woman whispering or weeping in the cave, and they believe that to be Melissa's ghost. Okay. So those are the ghosts, or a couple of ghosts, from Mammoth Cave State Park in Kentucky, which is um, linked to the wider phenomenon of the Mammoth Cave system in the eastern United States that I want to keep exploring. Um, just to sort of gesture towards some of that, I'm really interested. There's a map that if you line up like 411 missing persons cases, which basically mean... Oh, I saw this. You this know what I'm talking really cool. about? Yeah, it's a really cool map. Yeah. If by cool you mean it's fucking creepy. But I just think like to match <laughs> those things up, like someone had to be really creative. So, and like be able to kind of find, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, you explain what the map is. If you if you match up the, uh, so if a 411 missing case person basically means that a person 
is missing. It went missing in a state park and there were um, unexplained or strange circumstances behind the disappearance. Uh, if you map, if you map out all of those missing persons, persons cases, at least in the region, in the, in the Eastern region of the United States, it matches up like almost perfectly to a map of the mammoth cave system. And that makes sense though, too, right? Because like caves are not really a hundred percent safe, like all of them. So if people are exploring places, they shouldn't be, or, or going to dangerous parks or, and this is, this is a theory I want to explore. Okay. We have barely scratched the surface of, of what, and of what kind of, We've barely scratched the surface of the Mammoth Cave system and our explorations of it. Like we've we've mapped out not even that much of it, presumably. We don't know what's in there. Some people believe, or it could it could be concluded that some malicious entities live in the Mammoth Cave system <gasps> and occasionally come out. And this oh. there's a report. There's a report of this that happened in um, Greg and Dana Newkirk's series called Hellier. Uh, this guy reported little goblins coming out of his mine shafts on his property that links up to the Mammoth Cave system. Whoa. So I made a very visceral reaction to this. I yeah, it's very it's so it's so just creepy. crazy. It's just crazy that there there is there is this underground network in the eastern united states that like we don't know what's in there yeah you know if if the mammoth cave system is actually so large and we and we've only explored like a small percentage of it like we just don't know what's in there right it's the same thing as like the bottom of the ocean like we just don't know what's down there like we've we've (laughs) yeah we've (laughs) never seen it we have no (gasps) way we have no way to detect it you know yeah so I don't know. That's why that's why I'm interested in the Mammoth Cave system and want to keep occasionally covering little little pieces of it. Please do. It's very fascinating and I think the fact that there's so much unknown really adds to the creepy factor yeah. a lot. Yeah. Um yeah, so I'm excited to hear more. All yeah. right, well that was awesome. You got me really excited. You got my brain pumping. I can think of all <laughs> yeah. these other topics I want to like start researching now. Yeah, and now I like both really want to go see these caves, but also don't. <laughs> um, you want to go do a blackout in Mammoth Cave? Uh, yes and no. Uh, that would be it, so scary. That would be horrifying. Because <laughs> like, can you imagine it's so dark? Like being one of those people who used to have to work in the caves and like mine in the caves. Yeah. I was just watching, I've watched so many movies recently with this quarantine, but I was just watching um, There Will Be Blood. And when they're like in the... Oh, like, that's they're, so good. Yeah. It, when they're like down in like they're they're digging and they're mining and they're getting like the oil and it's like yeah. so dirty and it's so dark and you're basically trapped if anything goes wrong. Yeah. Yes. And then you die. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That itself is terrifying. And then yeah. put in there that any creature connecting in this system could just, you know, get you. Yeah, other than yeah. just like the natural um, elements that 
are very dangerous. Include and up to and including humanoid or or bipedal creatures that went into the caves a long, long time ago and have evolved to live there. <laughs> like yeah. in the descent. Yeah. Which yeah. actually like we don't know if that if that could be the case. Like we just don't know. Right. Yeah, we don't. Oh well, I actually have chills right now. I don't know if it's because it's cold in here or if because I'm really just uh, freaked out. It's a little yeah, bit. I'm. I'm generally not a huge believer, but I feel like I can't discount anything you're telling me about these caves because it's they're just, just so, so scary. Yeah, it's just such a large unknown. And even if even if there are no cryptid type things or there are no um, basilisks. Yeah, there, yeah. There, there's no like supernatural dangers in them like caves are also just really scary because um they're just so off the grid and yeah. they're so off the map that like you know even anybody you, could do whatever they wanted to you in there and then nobody would know right or you even you could just get lost in there and no one right, would know right right so wow yeah. well, that's my story you. well thanks <laughs> i'm scared now. you really scared us <laughs> We good? I'm good. All right. Yee. Yee. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I have to <laughs> Okay. So today I, so I totally changed my topic this morning um, as I was doing uh, research Um and I decided that I wanted to cover a topic that, for some reason, I've always found really interesting, um, and that's the mythology behind Crossroads. Oh, that is interesting. I feel like by looking up random stuff, that came up, and I was just thinking of, like, what could you really do for this? So I'm excited to see what you've done research on. Yeah, well, we'll see. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so... I feel like some of my sources might give it away again. Um, so Wikipedia, obviously. Um, the Astonishing Legends website, they wrote like a little, um, what you, I'm sorry, what are you, what's going on over there? At, I was just looking at the at your notes. Oh, <laughs> I just saw Jake like kind of peering like <laughs> next to me in a weird way. Um, I thought I was doing something uh, I just, I'm, I'm just jumping the gun. I'm oh, just curious. Oh, get out of here. Get out of here. Um, all right. So these. No stop- look, only listen. Yeah. Okay. Um, close your eyes and open your ears. Uh, so, yeah, the Astonishing Legends website um, had a little like short article on this. LuckyMojo.com. Uh, werewolves.com. <laughs> um, Another website called icysedgwick.com. <laughs> so um, crossroads, uh, according to folk magic and mythology, are believed to be places that are between two worlds, uh, neither here nor there, or betwixt and between. Um, so in other words, crossroads are kind of like these liminal spaces where spirits can be contacted or some sort of supernatural event can take place. Well, betwixt. 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 Yeah. And between. I definitely didn't have to include that in here, but I felt like I 
kind of needed to actually it's a really yeah it's a fun fun word betwixt um okay so stories of crossroads um with some kind of like mythology behind them date back to like ancient times um but one of the most well-known stories at least in the west uh appears in western folk mythology and 20th century blue songs um yeah that was the song that i had in my head all morning while (laughs) researching this can you name that tune melissa um it's like something about down the crossroads (laughs) (laughs) isn't that credence clearwater revival no they i mean a lot of people covered it the famous the most famous version in the in the 60s and 70s was the eric clapton cream version oh maybe that's what yeah i'm thinking of cream more about it yeah um i mentioned cream so that was uh that was good to bring up (laughs) i just had it stuck in my head all day since you mentioned anything about crossroads because i was in a i was in a a band in high school and like we just covered crossroads and variations of crossroads all the time so wow did you play at crossroads we played at a coffee shop (laughs) at a crossroads it's funny once we started playing at this coffee shop they went out of business oh oh (laughs) Oh, actually not funny (laughs) you brought some bad juju yeah i guess so yeah um okay so uh in these blue songs um we usually hear of the devil appearing at a crossroads dressed nicely in a suit and offering things like fame, wealth, different talents, knowledge, or power of some sort. Um, But this usually ends in disaster and comes with a price, which is typically your soul. Um, So probably the most famous blues songs about meeting the devil at the crossroads is a song called Crossroads Blues by Robert Johnson. Um... So the song, or at least like how people have interpreted the song, tells the story of a young musician, Robert Johnson, uh, whose music gigs lead nowhere because he's not very good. Um, actually, he's so bad that he's frequently asked to leave gigs. Or um, coffee shops. Or coffee shops. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Were you asked to leave? <laughs> Jake actually made a pact with the devil. <laughs> um no, he didn't. That's why the coffee shop closed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joking. I don't, I've never heard you play. You probably are good. He's pretty good. He's good. Um, so Tell me more. Oh! I, no. <laughs> there's no time. So late one night, uh, Johnson wanders the streets and ends up at a crossroads, uh, expressing his desire for talent and fame. And some stories say that he heard voices that were leading him to the crossroads um, where others don't necessarily share the detail. And there are like a bunch of different variations of the story I found, um, but they all kind of say the same thing ultimately. Um, So either way, he ends up at the crossroads and a tall man in a suit appears. uh, This man takes Johnson's guitar, tunes it, plays a few real nasty sounding chords uh, and hands it back to him. Nasty in a good way? No, <laughs> that, yeah, I should have specified. No, nasty in the bad way. <laughs> They're sick <laughs> in a bad way. <laughs> they slap. <laughs> Not, this Not in a good way. <laughs> um, so then once the guitar is handed back to Johnson, he plays it. Um, the music comes smoothly and his talent has obviously improved. Um, 
But then after he looks back up and after playing the guitar, the man's gone. Um, so some of Johnson's other songs, uh, such as like Hellhound on My Trail, uh, alludes to the same pact. Um, so this seems to be like a, a theme in Robert Johnson's songs that kind of um, really uh, like solidify this this story or this mythology. Um, and then something else that's kind of creepy is that uh, Robert Johnson died at the age of 27. So, oh, the 27 Club. Yeah, exactly. Um, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, and of unknown causes. Because a lot of the people, like like Hendrix was another mm-hmm. one, and he covered a lot of like Robert Johnson stuff. Mm. Oh, man. <laughs> oh. Creepy. All right. But anyways, this list is super long. If you go on Wikipedia, it's a very long list. That's and apparently scientific studies have been done, but this is not an episode about 27 Club. Yeah. Or science. Or si- <laughs> no. no. <laughs> we don't talk about science here. Yeah, get your science out of here. <laughs> um, okay. Um, yeah, that was who. This is decidedly Gen- a pseudoscientific podcast. <laughs> Strictly a pseudoscience. <laughs> yes. If you um, bring science on this podcast, you will be asked to leave. <laughs> <laughs> yes absolutely um who okay now that my chills are steadily running through my body um all right so moving on um so crossroads also play a significant part in in hoodoo um which is a form of african-american spirituality uh and similar to the story mentioned above with robert johnson um there's this idea that you know someone could go to the crossroads either at midnight or sometime before dawn um for three or nine nights slash mornings i'm not really sure i didn't do the research into like why it's three or nine or if that's accurate on my part um but basically you would go there to like acquire some sort of skill um so this could be like playing an instrument throwing dice dancing public speaking these are some of the acting um, <laughs> acting yes um these are some Podca- of the podcasting Podca- Ooh, well, you know. Learning how to blow bubbles. <laughs> SpongeBob. <laughs> Jellyfishing. <laughs> yes, the list could go on and on. These are just some that were mentioned in the sources that I read. <laughs> um, so during those visits to the crossroads, um, several animals may appear. Um, and then on your last visit, it said that um, a tall black figure or man will arrive um and if you're not afraid and do not run away um that he will ask to borrow the item you desire to learn or to improve at um and will show you how to use it properly and then when he returns it you'll receive the skill and talent to be able to use it well so again it's like that same story that we we hear um in the crossroads blues um and there's some other ways that the crossroads kind of fall into um like hoodoo or um like conjure root work uh so one example of this is um once someone has completed a magic magical ritual they can carry the remnants of this ritual so things like leftover candle wax incense incense ashes footprint dirt um or ritual bath water just to name a couple things um you can bring those those to the crossroads throw it into the intersection and then turn and walk home without looking back so it's just a way of like kind of neutrally 
disposing of these um ah. these like magical items crossroads themselves um play a significant part in who do magical rituals as well uh so one for example uh links two people where the trick which is i guess which is a, a euphemism for magic magic spell um in hoodoo uh is so the trick is laid at every crossroads between the home of the practitioner and the home of the lover um so basically it's trying to link and like create this unbreakable bond between two people whoa um but then you can also use it to have the opposite effect where if you throw like mad or ritual artifacts at every crossroad that's leading outside of the town it will try to force someone out hmm um yes and then yeah. seems like a very polite way to get somebody to leave <laughs> please please leave very non-confrontational yeah. yes <laughs> um and then there's also a version of a crossing spell so something that you would use against like someone that's wronged you um it's a very pos- uh, powerful kind of spell um so there's one version of it where one who like someone who wants to perform this um would bury graveyard dirt at the crossroads well i guess that's part of the the ritual itself so well so if they cross you you cross them at the crossroads yeah Yeah. (laughs) getting crossed nice double crossed how uh what is the effect of the spell something that's not good i don't really know what it is i didn't want to get too far down that rabbit hole um it's uh yeah sounds mean so all right so as you can see uh crossroads are pretty important when it comes to like things like magical rituals and spells um so there's there are other um like places where it's important to you so for one um, one example is according to danish lore um, if you stand in a rectangle formed by a horse cart at midnight on New Year's Eve, um, you can summon the ghost of any dead person and they must answer three questions of your choosing. Whoa, I get it. Because like the crossing of like one horse cart's going this way and then perpendicularly a horse cart's going that way and it makes exactly. a square. Okay. Yeah. It's all these different directions. Geometry. Yeah, exactly. You have to be very good at geometry to be able to do anything at a crossroads. <laughs> wow. Oh, that, that's so interesting. It kind of reminds me of like making a circle to kind of perform a ritual. Oh, like but this a- time it's like a square from like roads intersecting, but yeah. it's still like an enclosed space where inside which you can perform magical or spiritual activities. Right. Exactly. Um, so then shifting over to Germany, uh, if you would like to hear this, this creeped me out and I would not want to do this ever. Um, but if you would like to hear then Let's do it. No. <laughs> Once I read it, you're not going to want to do it either. Um, if you'd like to hear the names of the people who will die that coming year, all you have to do is visit a crossroads between 11 p.m. and midnight on New Year's Eve and their names will be called out to you by the wind. All right. Well. You should have told us this in December, Anna Marie. <laughs> no. It sounds like it sounds like being at a crossroads on New Year's Eve is a is a common thing. 
Yeah, well, if you think about like at least in Denmark and Germany. Yeah, well, if you think about New Year's Eve as a transition from one year to the next, it's a transition of time. Mm, it's a liminal time, right? Already. Yeah. Okay. What? What? Well, so the crossroads makes sense to me as a transitionary space because it literally is one, like physically. Mm-hmm. Um, but years are just a number. Right, but like in our minds, it's a transitional space and time. I would say like it's probably slightly more so. Like you already go to the crossroads where you know it's like a physically like in between space, yeah. but then now you're like adding one extra layer. And if you can add another layer, I don't know what that would be. Well, I think I think something like, for example, Halloween is a more mm-hmm. is a more would to me it would be more convincing just because it like is marked by like physical and cosmological phenomenon of like the veil is thinner right Mm -hmm. yeah thicker i don't know well yeah just because of the way the days are and anyways i'll i'll digress here but you're trying to use science i'm skeptical (laughs) no i i I think i know what you're saying you feel like there's a better time of year but maybe depending on culture like it has different significance like this is denmark right and germany yeah okay cool well maybe Henry will get there to all hollows okay okay sorry i won't but oh (laughs) (laughs) that's okay (laughs) but yes that is um definitely a liminal time so Kind of going back to things that appear at the crossroads, um, in addition to things like the devil. Um, so animals are also seen at crossroads. Uh, so another example is in, in Belgian folklore. Um, you have Oscar. I don't know if that's how you actually pronounce it. I don't know uh, Belgian, but that's okay. Um, so Oscar is a black dog who plays trick um yeah who plays tricks on those who wander into the crossroads um so it's kind of seen as like this trickster figure uh but apparently you can be spared from these tricks if you stand directly in the center of the crossroads and wait for this dog to leave with its tail between its legs whoa yeah so you have to like oh sorry go ahead melissa no no you go first I was going to say, you have to, like, be able to stand directly in the center of it. So, again, geometry is important. What? I was just going to say, this kind of reminds me of, like, um, a lot of things you hear about with devil creatures, um, where they play tricks, and you have to know exactly what to do to not fall for the trick or be able to survive. And they, like, with this trickster dog or, like, whatever it may be that's trying to, like, catch you in a pitfall so that you lose your soul mm-hmm. yeah and yeah. also just a little side note a topic i'm doing in the future is the black dog omen i don't know how in depth you go into this but i don't i mean apparently i was looking up england and they have just an example they have so many versions of the black dog it's like 30 different just in england 30 different names and versions of the black dog omen that's just in England alone. And then Ireland has its own. Scotland has its own. Wales. But anyways, we'll get there. I just was like, it was reminding me of something I already started looking into and I'm excited. Yeah. Um, is this kind of like the Hellhound too? Yeah. Like kind of combined with Hellhound and also like a um, an omen of, of death and misfortune and like mm-hmm. what they look like, what they do. Mm-hmm. 
I'll, cool. I'll have more info when I actually share that with you. <laughs> Good. Awesome. I look forward to it. I'm excited. Cool. Um, Another great rock song, by the way. I was just thinking that. I was like, and going back to, <laughs> to that topic. We'll just do a whole series just inspired by inspired by the British invasion. Yeah. All right. So getting from dogs, going to transition over to cats. Um, you know, they're bringing the cats in. So there's also a Crossroads cat, also called the Money Cat. That sounds awesome. <laughs> yes. Well, uh, I get. Well, I'll read kind of like how you get to the money part, um, <laughs> and you can evaluate, reevaluate after. Um, so, what you do to conjure this money cat, you have to leave an offering, which is usually a dead hen, until it shows, and then you wait for it to show up. Then, once it does, y- you, um, sorry. Then it'll show up and it will allow you to take it home. And once you get home, you have to uh, trap it in a box or in the corner of your house until it's tamed. And you have to take really good care of it, giving it some some nice little treats, some some good little um, I don't know what else do you give cats? Little those little toys, catnip, catnip, some yeah. catnip, maybe a scratching post. Some, a cat hotel. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Treat it like the precious little baby kitty that it is. Oh. Um. Because if you don't, it will leave your house and curse you with bad luck. Oh. But then why? But what do you, you get? Good fortune. I guess. The, yeah. You get good. Oh. Okay. Fortune. I was like, you just take it at the risk of mistreating <laughs> you <get a> it. <laughs> you just get a cat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. This um, whole money cat thing reminds me of like those memes that are like upvote money cat to get good fortune or like something you would forward on to someone else like <laughs> do you know what i'm talking email. about yeah. yeah like a chain email <laughs> if you don't send this to 20 of your friends and family members then you will you're you will die <laughs> just know. keep scrolling if you love the devil <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> sorry well, i i think i missed out what is the positive outcome of taking good care of it um good fortune i guess okay so is it like i was watching some show that it was like an anthology show where each episode was it's like a horror thing but each episode was a different story and one of the stories was about there was this man who was like brought a lot of fortune but he would like throw up coins and the guy captured him it was like super messed up but like the guy captured him and he was like he he was keeping him hostage almost so that he would continue to throw up these gold coins is that how the money cat works or (laughs) is it like the presence of the cat is good luck and brings fortune as like um you keep finding (laughs) you see what i'm trying to say you keep finding money in the litter box Yeah, that's what, yeah, that's what I'm curious about. Does he provide the money directly to you, or uh, I? You know what? I'd have to do more research on that. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just asking you so many questions that I know you don't have the answer to. I'm just no. posing that out there because that actually was like an interesting that that little video I saw was interesting take on like you get this totem of good fortune, but really it's like torturing the totem. Yeah, no, I really, um, 
appreciate speculating about this cat pooping out coins. (laughs) (laughs) And is it ethical to keep this cat in your possession if it's going to hurt the cat? We really got to get into the ethics of this, Mm -hmm. money cat. The ethics of money cat. (laughs) Episode eight. Or seven. Money cat ethics. Uh, Six. This is actually episode six. Oh, I think I've made numerous references to this being episode seven. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. Anyway, um, (laughs) transition back. Um, So, um, in addition to the devil and also these creatures, this little dog and this little cat, um, there are some other entities that uh, have some sort of connection to Crossroads. One of those being um, an African trickster god, um, or the god of the roads, known as Papa Legba. I've heard uh, of this. Oh, really? Yeah. Where? Where? Oh, I read this book, and it had, it was about, like, hoodoo, and I care, it's called The Girl in the Ring, something like that. But it's about these different um, gods, and it's like, I think it's about hoodoo or voodoo. I'm, I, I, it's been a while since I read it. That's very cool. Um yeah that makes sense uh because papa legba also has connections to yeah has connections to um haitian voodoo i think yes Um, so yeah so so papa legba like the crossroads is also this like liminal being um and has power to um kind of uh thin the veil a little bit um those boundaries between the world of the living and the dead so but unlike the devil um who also appears at crossroads papa legba is a helpful and kind figure who is willing to help you um as long as you treat him with respect and give him candy those are the two stipulations there um and if you do those things he will help either like help you make a decision or teach you a skill that you wish to know so again kind of going back to that like learning skills it sounds much more benevolent than yes uh, the devil yes oh definitely yeah it sounds <laughs> yeah. like there's no like i mean it sounds like you just gotta be kind and give little treats yes like exactly. you would a grandchild or like a, yeah i don't know or like santa like leave yeah. out some cookies yeah exactly exactly and i was reading somewhere that I, there was like some show that portrayed Papa Legba in like a ne- a negative light, and he was more like a malevolent entity, which is not fair because he's like he's not the devil, he's yeah. not like this mean spirit, but um, is actually very kind and gentle. Uh-huh. Is also a trickster, but like in a, a kind of a helpful way, like huh. um. So. Yeah. Um and then there's also okay, so Jake, I might need your help with this. What is that? Hi Hecate? Hecate? Hecate. Yeah. Oh, that's also on my list of things I'm covering. Oh, okay, with okay. the three faces. Okay. Yeah, yeah. This comes up in Sabrina. That's why it's on my list. Uh okay. Well, I go in very little Okay, that's fine. So. Yeah. I <laughs> go do what you will. I haven't written anything about this, so do do whatever. I just okay. Yeah. We have similar interests we do hence the podcast exactly i was gonna say that that's why (laughs) i think that's why we started this podcast um okay so then there there's hecate um a goddess in ancient greek religion and uh mythology um who's typically associated with the crossroads entranceways light magic witchcraft 
herbs and poisonous plants, ghosts, and necromancy, probably among amongst maybe a couple other things. She's also known as the Queen of the Night, and similarly to Papa Legba, um, is known as a liminal figure with kind of a foot in both worlds. Um, so in the in the ancient cult of Hecate, um, worshippers would build shrines in the doorways to their homes, temples, and cities, believing Hecate would protect them from restless spirits. Um, so these shrines were called Hecateon. I don't know if that's how you actually pronounce it, but that's, that's my try. Um, and these shrines would be centered on a wood or stone carving of a triple Hecate facing in three directions on three sides of a central pillar. So kind of like you said, Melissa. Um, and that's where, not to interrupt uh, okay. for the hundredth time, but I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> um, the three directions, and maybe you're about to say this, it's like mother maiden crone. Oh, I didn't know that. So that's why it relates to, cause she's associated with witchcraft. Mm-hmm. Um, and those three roles that women have in society, or it's like, yeah, maiden, mother, crone, like when you're a young woman, when you're a mother, and then when you're an old woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. I didn't know that the, that was the connection between the three, the three faces. That's really cool. Um, yeah. And then there were larger shrines that were placed on crossroads and where were created for people to leave food offerings at a new moon to help protect against evil and restless spirits. Um, so yeah, like with the crossroads being this liminal space, there's they're obviously a little bit more haunted than other places, and um, spirits have access um, to like come into the world of the living. Um, so these shrines would be able to kind of prevent them from, you know, making their way <laughs> further into the world. Yeah, I think along with like the language of like liminality too, there's um, a lot of people think that like transitionary places too are also more susceptible to being haunted. Mm-hmm. Like, um, like if you like most like homes that were like relatively happy or whatever are not like are not going to be hotbeds of like paranormal activity mm-hmm. according to. Uh, according to the Zach Bagginses of the world. <laughs> but like when you think about places like um, like hospitals or, mm-hmm. or prisons. Cemeteries. Uh, yeah. That's not supporting my point right now. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was just thinking of a place where people are transitioning from like death into the end. Oh, yeah. Okay. I guess that's right. I guess that's right. Because people are grieving their loved ones. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. sorry so, so like not like, not like a – not like a stable place, but like a place where like people are in some sort of transition or in don't mm-hmm. feel like they're at home. And like a crossroads is like that too. Right. Where you're traveling and you're making a decision about which way to go. And anyways. Right, exactly. No, that's exactly the point. Um, and why yeah, why crossroads are seen in this way and probably why all of this kind of lore uh has been created around them um so cool yeah thanks yeah. And I, going off of that i feel like it's super interesting how like there's a physical space to represent like a decision in your life or even like to go from one like 
way of being whether that's like before you're alive or while you're alive or after or even if it's like a transition in your life like there's like a physical representation of that and whether that like physically or like literally means like what you're describing or if it's just kind of like a way to explain Mm -hmm. um well, it's like, like a really common figure of speech, right? I think we're right. at a crossroads here. Like, mm-hmm. we got to decide what to do, you know? Yeah. Cool. Yes. Um, all right. So there's just one more little bit of lore that I'm going to share that's okay. like kind of different from the other things. Um, so in Brazilian lore, um, you have what's called the lobisomem. Um, oh. Again, not sure if that's exactly how it's pronounced in that I apologize. Um, but this is another word for werewolf. Uh, where This is where you get the werewolves.com in my sources. Um, <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> uh, so according to this legend, humans transform into um, lobismum uh, at the crossroads on a Friday night at midnight, whether there's a full moon or not. Um, so like it's more about the location and the time that's important rather than like the phase of the moon. Um, but to transform back into a human, um, the lobismum must find the same exact crossroads where they were, they originally turned. Um, and then that's like the only way that they can turn back. Uh, Hmm. and then I guess there are also in some other parts of the country, it's believed that, um, they have to run through seven graveyards before they can transform back into humans. (laughs) I don't know if this is then like it ends at the crossroads or if they just have to run through seven graveyards that's a lot of graveyards yeah. especially if you live in like a small town like you gotta go far away to find <laughs> yeah six like more werewolf marathon yeah well yeah. that's maybe super cool i that they saw maybe people kept thinking that they saw werewolves in graveyards and were like why are they doing that <laughs> i guess they're they gotta to- run around yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i don't know what um why else they would possibly come to that conclusion <laughs> you could do like a you could do like a charity like marathon like 5k <laughs> like the the werewolf charity 5k that just like hits seven graveyards <laughs> you know? uh, i like like sorry, i feel no. like i like like the story behind it also because i feel like there's a lesson in there too of like if you make this major change and you become a monster going back to what you know what happened and trying to resolve that to be able to return to yourself that's i mean some of these like stories you're telling me about this myth i feel like there's a lot of like there's a lot of like lessons behind them that may be more relevant yeah sorry Henry, you keep going oh i'm done I oh just, okay that's deep yeah me too <laughs> man we're getting to what it kept reminding me of i mean this whole thing i just feel like there's a lot of like lessons that you could yeah come like you know conjure up from or learn from these like crossroads stories about like selling yourself or losing yourself by selling who you are like whether yeah. it's to be famous or not um especially when you're wow. like in a time of transition yeah 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 cool wow. so that's it tied that up in a nice little existential bow yeah there. nice yeah do it good job Anna marie i feel like now i'm remembering why this topic sounds so familiar to me it's because i looked up topics around it so yeah yeah we're on the same page here wow cool quarantine wavelength yeah 
it's we're a way of staying connected while not being physically <laughs> with each other. Yeah. <laughs> Reading your mind. Wow. Awesome. Well, good job. Thanks. Uh, have we finished the episode? Yes. Thanks for listening to Weird, Obscure, and Possibly Unsafe. If you have any weird stories that you'd like to share with us, uh, send us a little email at weirdobscurepodcasts at gmail.com. We'll read them here on the podcast. I really want you to do that because I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, please do that. We're curious and interested. Yes, if you've ever been in a cave system and you heard a ghost whisper in your ear, tell us. Please. All right. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter at Weird Obscure Pod. And you can find us on Instagram at Weird Obscure Podcast. And we really want to thank the Cinepunks Podcasting Network because we are now part of that Cinepunks podcast. Guys, we're on a network now. Yeah. Already. <laughs> part of the family. What is this, Anna Marie? Episode eight? No, it's five episodes I think in. It's fifteen. <laughs> On episode six. Uh, oh. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, I'm really stoked about the work that's going on in Cinepunks, and I'm very happy that we are able to be included among them. Mm-hmm. And we really appreciate the invitation to join. Um, it was very exciting news for us. And yeah. like, to be perfectly frank, makes our job way easier. Yes. So thank you for that too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not only that, but there's also so many awesome podcasts on that network. So if you don't want to listen to us anymore, at least go check them out and yeah. see what else they have to offer. That's Maybe. Cinepunks with an X. Uh, and also thank you to Matt Baker. Matt Baker. It's like we're in a cave. 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 Lights out. 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 <laughs> Which means bye. We're ending this podcast. Lights ask, out. Bye. <laughs> bye. Bye. God, I'm we're trying... loopy now. We're getting stir crazy. We gotta go before we embarrass ourselves. Day further. fifteen of quarantine. <laughs> bye. Bye. <laughs> bye. Okay, I'm ending this call. Okay. Bye. Lights out. like spooky movies hair raising tales insightful criticism judgmental hot takes then you're gonna love car business the horror podcast on the cinepunks podcast network dedicated to all things weird and spooky my name is leo don and i'm justin lore and every episode we're gonna tear apart your favorite and not so favorite horror movies to get to the bottom of what makes these movies great or maybe not great whether it's the beyond prince of darkness or inseminoid we dive in on a double feature every episode and then we talk about it some of our insights are great and sometimes we just complain so if we have to suffer through it so do you horror business available anywhere you find fine podcast products